Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Well, Larry Hughes is going to pop out and get the ball. Jordan's going to rub his man off of Leitner and then cut down the center and gets a nice pass from Larry Hughes. Hello, Wizards fans. Welcome to a reaction podcast. Obviously, we knew Bradley Beal had been given a lot, a lot of money, but the sort of contract details came out tonight. And I think rightfully so, a lot of Wizards world and Wizards fandom is losing their mind, myself included. Osman Begable, Trevor is going to come on here in a minute, and we're just going to give you our sort of unbridled thoughts. I've had a couple hours to cool down, and I think it's helped a little bit, but this is your disclaimer up front. If you are listening to this without headphones or your kids are in the car, turn this off now, because uh, this is one of going to be one of our few podcasts that has the E for explicit next to it uh, that we have to log with the FCC. So that's your disclaimer. You've been warned. Uh, it's not like a spoiler situation, but uh, if the foul language will offend the kiddos, then this is probably not the one for them. I just, I don't think I'm going to be able to help it or filter myself on this one. So, uh, you know, you're, you're going to get the reasonably raw reaction and uh, yeah, we'll just do our best to kind of break down what the deal looks like and and how to make sense of it and how we're all supposed to feel right now. And hopefully it's cathartic for us and and we can sort of wallow in misery together because that's basically what Wizards fandom is just masochism, uh, large scale masochism, I guess, realistically. But first, a sunny, rosy word from one of our sponsors, Bet Online. Our partners at Bet Online continue to be the number one source for all your betting needs and sports info. Find all the latest odds and news and sports developments, including this year's basketball championship finals, the NHL hockey conference finals, Major League Baseball, the latest fighting news, and even next season's early NFL futures. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today to receive your 50% off welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code BELIEVE, B-L-E-A-V, to get the bonus and get in on the action. Bet online, where the game starts. With that, Oz and I are just going to get into it. So, uh, you know, bear with us, I guess. Okay, I alluded to it in the intro. Uh, the Wizards have released some more details on the actual uh, specifics of their long, long, long-term multi almost billion dollar contract with Bradley Beal, quarter of a billion dollar contract with Bradley Beal. And uh, if you follow the Wizards at all on social media, um, you know, the, the house is on fire. It's already burned down. We're in the rubble. Uh, we're trying to dig our way out. I think, Oz, that's what we're going to attempt to do here. Just a couple details for folks. Um, per Bobby Marks and Woj, uh, the contract is five years, $251 million for Bradley Beal. It's negotiated by his agent, Mark Bartlestein of Priority Sports, who is a badass, as far as I'm concerned, for pulling this one off. The Beal contract consists of a no-trade clause, which is largely unexpected uh, because very few players ever have had a no-trade clause. It's the Beal's the 10th player to have one, joining LeBron, KG, Carmelo Anthony, Dirk, Kobe, D-Wade, Tim Duncan, David Robinson, and John Stockton, clearly making him the worst of those players on that list. But wait, it gets better. The Wizards also have a 15% trade kicker, which is the maximum that they can have as a trade kicker per the CBA, which means that if they trade him, they have to pay a penalty for trading him. And they also, oh wait, have a player option in his fifth year as well. So 
<laughs> if he's playing poorly, he is locked into more money. And if he is playing really well, he could leave and opt out for more money should the CBA go up between now and then. So this is, honest to God, the worst case scenario for Wizards fans. Oz, where are you at with this one? I have I had come to the point over the past year where the extension was expected. Yep. So... I think you were at the same point. We were I said no brainer on this pod like a hundred times. No brainer is gonna happen. Content with that. I I'm was done fighting the fight about like, hey, they should rebuild, yep. start from scratch. The time had passed by then. Time had passed. It was it was given. He needed to sign the extension. Barring him saying, um, barring him taking a meeting and working out a sign and trade, I was like, it's gonna be one or the other. And I was like 99% that it was gonna be an extension. Mm-hmm. Hearing the details of it. But just the details of it and just kind of, it's like just getting kicked in the nuts over and over and over again. And this organization is, has probably like been the reason for that most of the time. And it's just, I don't understand what was the bargaining power that Mark Bartlestein and, and Brad, what was their bargaining power here? They were not going to get the Supermax offer from anyone else. Beal had made it, Beal by his actions, not by his words, forget the words. The words mm-hmm. are always like, I want to be with the winner. I'm evaluating. Let's just call BS on that. Everyone knew he was going to resign here, sure. right? Yep. There's he didn't take a meeting. It happened right after the negotiating period started. I don't think there was ever any doubt. Nope. So stop the nonsense. If he's that adamant about returning, where is all this leverage coming from that they use to squeeze everything they could possibly squeeze out of Tommy Shepard and Teliosis? That's where I'm just I'm dumbfounded. There were multiple national media podcasts that I heard over the last week and a half that actually uh, speculated that Beal might leave some amount of this money on the table, that the Wizards might actually have some leverage. And I was like, well, that'll never happen. It's going to be the full amount, but that's okay. And I would like to apologize to everyone who has ever listened to this podcast. If you're listening right now, I am sorry. I owe you an apology because I came on here and said that the sensible move for a well-run organization is to re-sign Bradley Beal, that that was the best way for them to potentially recoup max value long-term. And my mistake there, it's still the right move, by the way, we can argue that till we're blue in the face, but for a good organization, re-signing him was smart. The problem is we're not a good organization. We are not smart. We are literally stupid. And if anybody can fuck it up, we'll fuck it up. I mean, right. that's just the, the nature of it. So I did not expect in my wildest dreams that they would just totally bend over and give him all of the power in this situation. And I, I, to your point, I have no idea. He had no leverage here. Like the leverage is, okay, somehow Ted is under the impression that we have to keep Beal at all costs because he's a good guy and a good Samaritan. And that's important to him. And obviously the whole fan base loves him. So we'll sell so many more <laughs> tickets with Beal. Oh wait, half the people hate his ass. So I don't really know, actually probably more at this point, especially yeah. after this deal. So I, th- there's just sort of no defense for why they did this. If, yeah, couple- if he, he could leave, he could sign yeah. and trade, he could do all this stuff, but you have literally locked yourself into the worst possible case scenario by doing this. His leverage was to say, okay, fine, give me a sign and trade. Yeah. But call so, the bluff. Yeah. Like Tommy Shepard actually has called his bluff time and time again, every time you would hear that Beal wants to evaluate the roster and they were shopping for a big name. They never got the big name. Yep. Ultimately, Beal still signed the, signed the contract extension. Mm-hmm. It was He called his bluff. He was always going to stay. Giving him everything they did just makes, makes no sense. Now, I've seen the argument that what difference does it make 
players get traded to the cities of their choice regardless. Well, look at Kevin Durant right now. He is signed for, I believe, four more years. And Brooklyn doesn't have to trade him. And I think there's that idea is beginning to kind of marinate that they may just hold on to him and not trade him, right? That's what I think is going to happen. Yeah. yeah, and they're not forced to trade him to Phoenix, regardless of Phoenix's, I think, actually good offer. Um, if what you're, what you're hearing is, is correct, they don't have to do anything and they could actually just say, no, you are playing for us. We signed you for four years. We did everything you want. And if you're, and look, they're going to probably dare him. And Kevin Durant, I, I doubt he's going to sit out. So he's on a good team that could still continue, contend for the East. Now, Beal's not in that situation, but like giving him this leverage, giving him this no trade clause, giving him the trade kicker, it, it still, it just makes no sense. If Beal had asked out, it would actually give them a very convenient excuse to kind of pivot to a rebuild and they could have made Brad Beal kind of the reason behind it. Mm-hmm. You could have they said, face. right. You know they could have saved face. They're like, we did everything he asked. He had been here, but Brad asked to be traded and we are accommodating his request. They could have put everything in his direction and literally 90% of the fan base, I think would have been totally fine with it. Yeah. Right. There would have been no anger over it. Like it would have been like, okay, Beal finally, Beal saved us from ourselves. That would have been what was said. Now, like Beal actually did not, like he did the opposite. He just basically doubled down. He has signed now his rookie contracts, first max, second max. This is his third max contract with the Wizards. He has signed willingly three contract extensions now with the Wizards. So that's the other part of it. I don't blame Beal at all for taking as much money as he can, um, leveraging you know, bending the Wizards over, leveraging them as much as possible. I don't blame him. It does annoy me. If you give any shits about winning, you wouldn't try to fuck the org on the back end. Yeah, and that's where I was going with this. So don't come out and say when you're 20 and when you're 20 and for 35, do not come out and say, I'm about winning. I want to win. That is horseshit because you stayed here three times willingly. So don't say that because that is not the truth. You wanted to maximize your earnings. And yes, maybe later you will ask for a trade and now you have more power over who you get traded to. That's what it's about. So don't be mad when the Wizards are not in the first round or not, or not a playoff team or a second playoff, second round team next year. And for the Wizards, from the Wizards' point of view, I don't know all the, like I know they were what, bottom 10 in attendance, mm-hmm. uh, raw numbers, and I think by percentage, maybe even lower by percentage of seats. I'm not sure what they think they have in Beal, what kind of box office they think he has. Obviously things could get worse. I don't know how much worse they, they, they could really get. I don't run into people or talk to people who I know, oh, I got to get to cap one to see Bradley Beal. I don't, I've never got that sense. Attendance doesn't back that up. Like there's not that. He is appreciated, I think, because he is a good guy, works hard, blah, blah, blah. But he does not like, he's not box office and there's no like groundswell for, I mean, this should really be a, like, oh my God, Brad State, this is fantastic news. Do you, do you like think when, the Nuggets fans are pissed that they're keeping Jokic or right. T Wolves fans? Thrilled. Maybe, maybe they're, they're mixed. To, maybe few fans don't like Carl Towns being locked in, but I could promise you the majority right. are happy Towns is staying. Look at the quote tweets and the replies to the announcement on the, the Twitter announcement on the Wizards handle, and it is 90% negative. Yeah, and a lot of Twitter is negative, but no, it's not usually 90% negative. Like, great, thanks for staying sarcastically. It's it's so unwelcome, pretty much from anyone, everyone except for Beal and Ted Leonsis. <laughs> you made a really great point there that I hadn't actually thought much about too. That the notion of 
Like the counter argument being, why do we really care? Because stars get traded to where they wanted to go anyway. That's fine. The difference is you can now longer, no longer negotiate from a position of strength. You at least have the bluff on the table without the no trade clause of being able to say, you know, well, we could send you to Utah if we so choose. And now you have to work with us. So maybe Miami is more incentivized Mm -hmm. to give us stuff. At this point, they have no reason to do that. They know if Beal says, I'm out, we have no cards left to play. And I know Tommy thinks like, we got the good old boy handshake, me and Brad, we talk about our kids and stuff and and we're great friends and best pals. Um, You know, he'll do us a solid and we'll try to do him a solid and great. You make that handshake with him and you say, we'll try to trade you somewhere you want to go. You don't let him strong arm you with a clause in a contract that you don't need. And I've seen a lot of people ask, well, can't Beal just waive his trade kicker if he wants? Of course, he can waive the, waive the no trade clause because that's how he'll eventually get traded because it will happen. Brad will not mm-hmm. finish a Washington wizard. Hope everyone is aware of that. Now, it just means that he'll he'll leave us in, in like smoldering ashes as yeah. he goes because we'll get nothing in return for him. But he can waive a no trade or a, a the fifteen percent trade kicker as well. But again, it's if he so chooses. Why yeah, it, would he choose to do that? It's all under his control. Um, the other thing is this: like I, I wouldn't even if he had, did not have this no trade clause. I don't see a situation where he would be traded to say Sacramento. They're not going to screw no, him. They're yeah, not no offense, Sacramento. It, it but hurts like, you yeah. as an org long term. Exactly. It hurts as an org org long term. But now what happens is this. Maybe like, let's say he has no trade clause and Bradley Beal in in 12 months says, hey, look, this is just not working. I got my supermax. I'm ready to go. Let's make this happen. Tommy, work out a trade for me. And then they could work together to say, "Okay, here are the five teams uh, you're willing to go. Give me five teams you're willing to go to. And then Tommy could do his thing where he leverages each against each other, gets the best deal possible. Now Brad can literally say, I am going to the Miami Heat. I've already talked to Bam Adebayo, Jimmy Butler. That is where I'm going. And Pat Riley is going to send you Tyler here. <laughs> that's all you're getting. Enjoy Al Horford's corpse. Yeah, that's all. That is what it's going to be. You know, like now you can't even leverage one good desirable destination against the other because if he has his mind made up, and we know how it is in the summer, like when they have all these... Uh, like the Olympics and FIBA and all that players work together, talk together. And if Brad comes back from one of those after a 40, 35 win season and says, I want to play with this guy, he is going to have the power now to try to play with that guy. If the Celtics get off to another poor start this year and they show that the second half of the year was fluke, fool's gold, whatever, Mm -hmm. and they decide they need to shake something up and you can say, you know, the wizards aren't doing well. Brad now wants out. Let's, Let's trade our distressed asset for your distressed asset, Jalen Brown. You know, that's what we're talking about here. Yeah. If if they struggle and they want to make a trade and Brad says, I'm out, I'm not playing for this shit organization anymore. And the Wizards are now forced to say, well, we got to trade him to where he wants to go or we can't trade him or he sits out. Okay. Hmm. Boston. Well, yeah. Boston's not giving us Jalen Brown in that case. You know what I mean? Like not, yeah. I'm not saying that this is the most realistic scenario, but I, I just want to frame this for people. Like you now know how ha- you have no bargaining power here. Like you, you can't do anything here to force the issue with people. And that's all general managing is, is, is trying to trade from the greatest position of strength yeah. and give up as little as possible. So now teams have to give up very little 
to get right. our very yeah, good if you're player. Boston, you're saying no. What? Yeah, we're not going to give you that. We're going to give you Horford, um, Pritchard, and whoever they drafted this year. I can't even think. Yeah, they're going to give get them, Aaron Neesmith. Enjoy. Yeah, those type of players are going to be on the table. I mean, Miami might not even offer here. They might just offer you Duncan Robinson and and Kyle Lowry's expiring. Players, yeah, Kyle that. Lowry's expiring contract and Beal's leverage. And we've seen this at times. I don't think Beal is ever going to be the type that says I'm not going to play. Right. But if he's nicked up, he's not going to play. If he needs surgery on a wrist or like anything that's like a nagging thing, he's not going to play through an injury. Um, the only leverage the Wizards have is, okay, you want Miami. We can't, they're not offering us anything acceptable. We're just not going to trade you. So then at that point, you're stuck in that still, not bad enough to really tank, not good enough to be good. You're Brad Payne playing whenever he feels like playing. You're winning 30 games and you're stuck at the back end of the lottery every year. So it's really, they've really pinned themselves into a corner for no reason. They basically had Tommy Shepard's had three full, full season, uh, full seasons as a GM. They've had kind of four seasons since this retool after the wall. Basically the retool started when wall slipped in the Achilles tour and they kind of pivoted right away. Mm-hmm. That's been about four seasons now. What have they accomplished in those four seasons? Yes. The cupboard is not nearly as bare as it was, but they're just Max, like they're, pop, like they're piling money into an incomplete retool that's still only half half baked, and now because they've like pound, like thrown all this like money into it, it's it's stopped. They've like they've already capped it. You know they've and they they've like taken away their out. I've been probably the biggest Tommy apologist, like maybe maybe in the entire fan base. To be honest, I've liked the trades. I thought that. He had so much damage to undo that we didn't really get to see the best of him. I think he's made some really smart, savvy deals. And I've seen, you know, some comments, shout out my guy, Riley, about wondering, you know, has he won any trades? Yeah, he's won trades. Have they moved the needle for the organization meaningfully? No, but that's what happens when you've dug yourself a hole for the previous decade. You have to work to redo the, you know, undo the damage. Now, now we're at like, now it is Tommy Shepard's team, right? He's sort of reset the playing field enough to like start making his moves. And I know a lot of people disagree with me. I can still at least, I think, present like a cogent argument for the Isaiah Todd trade down thing. <laughs> Fine. We don't have to agree, but I at least think, you know, people are like, okay, I see where you're going, but this is, this is indefensible. Yeah. Like there, there's just literally no explanation that you can make where I'm like, oh, okay, I, I, yeah. I, I kind of see it now. I completely, it. completely indefensible. My only question is, how much of it was him? How much of it was Teliosis? It's probably Ted, but it doesn't matter. You, but you yeah, ultimately, yeah, he could threaten to quit. He could just, but he's going to co-sign it. And actually, even with Shepard, I've liked his trades. He's won yeah. trades, but if the trades don't ultimately, if the trades don't lift, raise your ceiling, then like, okay, cool, you want to trade? That's. Yeah. You know, what did that really accomplish? So he, yes, they've, he basically took over a team just with Beal and nothing. And he's done a good job of getting. It was like less than nothing though. Like we owed people picks. We had bad contracts. Like there were negative assets associated. He's dug out of it well, but instead of doing that next step, like he could have taken one step and then built off, built off of it. What he does is he takes one step. Then he lets those pieces crumble. And I'll give you an example. So he did the big trade with the Lakers last year, got all those new players. And he was like, we have depth. We have, we have this, we have like, you know, we have a deep team. We're going to be solid. We have a lot of good play, just solid NBA players. You let it get to the deadline. 
players hated each other fighting in the locker room. They blamed expiring contracts. They, they blamed people having their own agenda. Then it was another retool. It was basically another roster turnover. Then the clock starts again. And so he's done well in terms in getting out of that hole, but he doesn't build off his wins. He kind of just, he takes a win. He, the way he holds on to the win long enough for the win to start, like, like basically just, yeah, start, um, uh, depreciating. And then he built, then he has to build off of a depreciated win instead of building off a strong win. Like he could take one move and immediately catapult into another one, but he reactively just lets that move fall apart before making the next one. Yeah. Tr- trading, uh, Aaron white for Davis Bertans was a masterclass trade. Like that's yeah. a sneaky veteran savvy GM move. And he did it in year one. Mm-hmm. The problem is you then have to flip Bertans to the Celtics for two picks when they're offering them two picks and a young player, right? Yep. Instead of turning that. him into an insanely terrible contract, the minute the ink dried. Right. And, and so those are the kinds of things we're talking about. The first move is really good and inspired almost. And it's the follow-up to your point it is really bad. And I want to circle back to something you said a second ago, because I, I can think this is really good. Beal may not be the type that says, you know what? I want out of here so bad. I'm just shutting it down. But what's actually worse is him half-acidly playing through it. Yeah. Like you could make the point that he plays half-acidly now sometimes, but you know, we're not talking two years ago when like Beal is dying on the court to score 60 to keep us in a Celtics game. Yeah. Like if he goes out and he scores an inefficient 20 points, plays even less defense than he does now, which yes, I do think is somewhat possible. Uh, that's worse for us. Because we'll win just enough games to be in the same shitty position we could have been anyway. Exactly. And not lose enough to end up in a better draft position in a year that it actually makes sense to have a better draft position. Yeah. And and we've seen him. His body language, once those games happen where they start losing and he's unhappy, the body language will absolutely suck on the sidelines. And NBA Twitter will be like, why did he stay free deal? Blah, blah, blah. No, he did it to himself. So, yes, like you said. I don't blame him for getting every cent. It still annoys me that both parties landed here. I will absolutely lose my shit the first time I hear free Beal. Oh, he yeah. deserves to go somewhere where he can win. Like if can't you sign this kind of deal, to say that. Yeah. I can't wait because I am going to rip them to shreds. I'm going to be a fucking rabid spider monkey yeah. jumping on somebody's yeah. face, just trying to claw eyes. Yeah, out. I'm going to make that yeah. person just delete their account. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Yeah, you want to see cyberbullying like it's coming <laughs> because it's just it's one of those things where like at some point we have to take into account that when younger players mention the people that mentored them on the team, they don't mention Beal. Like, yeah, the video with the camera stuck in your face to your AAU team is like really great. I'm glad you're talking to young people. But those aren't the names that they all say or like the guy who pulled me aside and taught me how to be a leader. And who's the bad king of bad body language? It's Beal. Yeah. Who's the king of hands on hips instead of getting back on defense? Like who's been in the locker room for all this bullshit for the entire time? Like the common denominator here is Beal. And again, I, I still said resign the guy with the expectation that they would suck next year because Porzingis would get hurt or Kuzma would come back to earth or somebody wouldn't gel with Beal again. And he'd want to trade after one year and everybody could do the free Beal thing. Okay, fine, whatever. Let's send him to a real winner. Mm-hmm. And he could be somebody else's problem. And some team could talk themselves into 
you know, maybe the Warriors need an infusion and they talk themselves into needing some scoring punch or, or whatever yeah. it is. They can make him an efficient shooter again. I don't, I don't care. But you can now no longer do that. And no. I now have no sympathy for this guy. And, no. and by the way, we've totally swept under the rug. Like, I, I don't want to make this like a political podcast, but he went into media day last year with the intention of blowing shit up and being oh, yeah. a distraction with the like, oh, you think vaccines are cool bullshit? Again, yeah. whatever your stack, stance is on a vaccine, I, I think we're long past that. I don't want to rehash that whole thing or get into yeah. angry DMs. But he came it. there with an agenda. He yeah, came exactly. With an agenda. That's not like, what. That's not what. Right. That's not what professional leaders do in organizations right. like that. And you have your wife and your agent on the Zoom call. It's super unprofessional. That never happens. And it was clear, like, oh, watch this. I'm going to pull one over on him. That's premeditated. And and this is the kind of guy we're talking about. So we've now not only committed a quarter of a billion dollars, which I still can't believe is a real number attached to anything Wizards related, but We've now given him all of the power. I, I saw somebody commented on, on my tweets about it, about like, we might as well give him an ownership stake. Honestly, I'm shocked that's not on the table. Like, we have. might as well have. Yeah, if it was allowed, I'm sure they would have, he would have asked for it and they probably would have given it to him. The, the difference there is if the team is just bad and it stays under the salary cap, Ted continues to make money. Yeah. Uh, if he gives him ownership stake, he loses some amount of that money. So that's <laughs> the difference. Now he can just fuck the team. Yeah. And it, it only hurts us, the people who pay money to go watch these dumbasses. Like, we're, yeah. well, actually, we're the dumbasses in this scenario. Sorry. We are. Us dumbasses that pay money to go watch them <laughs> not give a shit. It, it's, I, 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 and actually, I'm glad you brought up the media day thing. And I don't want to go back on that, but I'm just like, part of what has happened the past few years should have been as much an evaluation of him as an evaluation as he was doing an evaluation. It's an audition. Yeah. I mean, honestly, if you want to be in a super, super max, like, Right. Earn it. Earn it. And earning it is not only on the court, because I still go back to when he got first got, was that 1920, the bubble year before the bubble? He uh, went on yeah. an absurd tear after mm-hmm. he got stumped with the All-Star game. Yeah. It was like 30 games of like 35 and six on like over 60% true, true shooting. It was just, that was the best deal I've seen. So it leaves me with a couple of things. Why did it take an All-Star stuff to get this level of play out of this guy, out of him? Because every time he got snubbed, like it would always become an issue. All NBA snub, ranting on Twitter. When Colin Cowherd is calling the Wizards dog shit, that's what you should be offended by. Be offended Go out by. and prove them wrong yeah. about that. Be snubbed by that. So that was great play, but why? Why haven't we seen that? Except with the exception of that. The second thing is this: this year, this past season, the audition, Beal makes it a point, and he has said this for years, but he said it again last year. So I'm going to take a quick shot here. He said. This is finally my team. I feel like it's my, you know, I'm the leader. This is my team. Number one, it's been his team since Wall got injured. Mm-hmm. So I, and he has said that every year, it's finally my team. Bullshit that it's like, oh, this was finally your year. Who was, whose team was it literally the bubble year? Was it Rui Hachimura's team as a rookie? Was it no. like Davros Bertans? No, it was his team. Yeah. So like, stop the BS. He didn't act this, like it. Yeah, but he made it a point again. He always starts new, like this media day, he'll be like, I'm the leader. I'm going to teach them. I'm going to do this. What happened under his leadership last year? Apparently, it was like one of the shittiest locker room situations in the league. Um, people have insinuated that there, there were reported fights. Well, there were fights. And the insinuation is there probably some other ones that never made it out, like made it to the media. So you had fights in the locker room. You had teammates who didn't like each other. You had all this petty bullshit between them and Spencer Dinwiddie. 
Um, you had the like basically where they're still talking about each other and people aren't doing that in the Warriors locker room. Yeah, they're not, not doing that them, in a good locker know? room. <laughs> like, yeah. Dinwiddie is so like hung up over what happened here that even after while in the playoffs, he is still talking about his Wizards experience. Um, where's Brad Beal? It's his locker room. He's the leader, right? Come out I didn't ask something. him to be the leader. He didn't yeah. say anything. And it was all on his watch. They saw it all happen on his watch, yet they continue to send money his way, you know, and they continue to say, this is the leader. He's going to, he's going to lead us forward. He let, he, he has never shown that he can lead and you don't have to lead, but then stop the bullshit by saying that you're going to, you're going to be the leader. You know, I, I always point back to this and I've shared this anecdote a couple of times on the podcast, but the last game I remember going to before COVID shut everything down, they had blown a big lead to Memphis in the final minutes and standing in the locker room and everybody's got microphones in Brad's face and he gives some glib thing about, Hey, uh, you know, I, I can't even come in here like a third night in a row and talk about how nobody goes out there and guards anybody I'm out and like refuses to continue to talk to the yeah. media. So like Burton steps over and is like, Hey, you know, we're really disappointed. That's not the kind of team we are and gives like the sort of like veteran sound bites and yeah. does like the media obligation. Now, is some amount of that like pouting for show to be like, oh, God, I'm so mad about losing. But but don't do the guys got to go out there and guard people shit. I, that's what's offensive to me. Like, OK, we can't guard a parked car is cute. Like once we can't guard a parked car five times is not cute anymore. But what's worse is, hey, other guys got to go out there and guard people. And we've heard enough of those. We're like, why don't you go out and guard somebody? Yeah, OK, right. I, I understand. We all remember the one time you tried to guard Jason Tatum and he's taller than you. Well, deny the ball. Do something. I mean, yeah. this is a, not a fair one-to-one comparison. I'm, I'm but watching remember- Jimmy Butler. Sorry for interrupting. I'm watching Jimmy Butler will his team on both ends against the Celtics to a seventh game, and Bradley Beal finally says by midseason, I could help my team by trying to come back on defense. Dude, like Jimmy Butler guarded Giannis in the bubble playoffs. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, try and guard that freight train. Um, he's a little bit bigger than him. Last I checked, I remember when Jason Kidd had to guard Kevin Durant in the playoffs when they were both in Dallas and OKC, respectively. Like he was fronting him and denying the ball, and like, okay, I get it. Like we should never be putting in you in a position to ask you to be the defensive stopper. That's poor team management. But sometimes you got to do it. And when you make that much money, guess what? The responsibility is on you to make it work, to find a way to win. Because guess what? The best players on these other teams do it. Uh, yeah. Again, I will fully circle back to here. I did advocate for him getting this deal. Uh, And I still think it's the right move. It's just, that's the end of it. You give him the deal. You wait for an inevitable, you know, the inevitable fall apart, mid-season breakdown, whatever happens here. And you get rid of him at whatever opportunity you need to get rid of him. I always thought next offseason would be the one where we finally just like have a mutual parting of ways. We're going to free Brad and. He loves it here, but it's just time and it, we could have this great kumbaya and he'll mm-hmm. come back and be the broadcaster or assistant GM in 10 years or whatever that shit is. But there's no way that this doesn't end ugly now. Like, I just don't see what the parting of ways looks like here, unless he really is content to just like die on the vine here for the next five years, in which case we've locked ourselves into just five years of perpetual nonsense, which is probably how this plays out. But that's the first nut punch. The second nut punch here is I was really just finally getting excited about summer league 
And now I'm like, I'm, it's killed my enthusiasm for going <laughs> to watch young people on a team that has no future whatsoever. And I've now wasted thousands of dollars to go to Vegas to do this in person because I'm an idiot. Uh, because I, I let myself get talked into like, you know what, if Johnny Davis is good, like maybe this team could be okay. And that was just a stupid train of thought. I should have known better. This team is yeah. always shitty. It will always do the stupidest thing. And guess what? We took a like no fail situation and find a way to fail. Like that's, <laughs> that's all I can keep coming back to here. Yeah. And because, because that's their approach, because if, well, every season is going to have a reason. So if you listen to Tommy Shepard, the reason this season fell apart was because COVID specifically and only hit the wizards. Right. He has brought it up numerous times. Did so you know they is, had a lot of new faces? Yeah. So he has brought up numerous times, and apparently COVID only applied to the wizards. So he, he, he went on that, like he's, he's used that. And he said, he goes on to say, it's not an excuse, but it's a fact, but then he still makes excuses about right. it. So it, it'll be 2028. And I'll still be talking about like, well, yeah. you know, the development of Denny and Rui were hurt and my draft picks should have been good, but COVID. Exactly. So he's like talking like, so there's no reason to think that it's not going to stay kind of status quo. The thing is who blinks first, do the wizards get tired of 35 win basketball or does Bradley Beal finally say I'm out. The hope is Bradley Beal can finally, now that he has his contract, to step up and say, look, I need to go. You know, this is not it for me anymore. But I don't know. He's signed three extensions willingly himself here. So maybe this is just what he likes. He's, he's comfortable here. They don't push him beyond his comfort zone. And maybe that's what works for him. You don't know what makes a guy tick. But like you said, it, it kind of does. Like if you were excited for summer league, if you're excited for some of the young players, it kind of like just is another kick in the nut, nuts because like, what are you really getting excited for? Because as long as Beal is here and they're always going to look for stop gaps and bandages to kind of build around him to try to get quick get like really eke into that playoffs since they're already paying him so much, they're not going to truly like kind of just like enable or let it build an environment where you see like three, four rookies playing off each other or like a Johnny Davis taking over because they're going to, they're going to like lean on a vet, like a Monte Morris or Will Barton or someone, someone like that, because they need to be just good enough to look to make keep Beal happy and not ask for that trade. I have to push back on something you just said, because I think you were terribly, terribly off base here. You just implied that Tommy Shepard is not an maybe honest straight shooter with some of his media comments, <laughs> but he has promised us a big swing. And tonight he took a crab mallet and swung it right into our testicles with this contract. So we finally got our big swing. We got the big he, swing. He is delivered on the big swing. So that oh, makes yeah. him an honest man, in my opinion. Yeah. You know, he is, man. He is. We had this great plan to talk about the small forward debate. And now I'm honestly kind of like, fuck it. Why, why should we even care? Because <laughs> it's irrelevant who the small forward is. Mm -hmm. uh, but I don't know. Let's just... For the sake of thoroughness, why don't we why don't we pivot to that? Because at some point, um, I think people are going to start to delete this mid episode because maybe it might actually be too too big of a downer for people. Yeah. Um, I, I I'm going to try to like regain some amount of composure and professionalism here and talk about this in earnest. Uh, the the Wizards have a hole at small forward again, which seems to be a move for them, almost an intentional choice because it's the most important position in the league. It's something that good teams stockpile, yet they never seem to want to do it. I can't imagine that that's an accident. Uh, so it, it's got to be an intentional choice. They mentioned today that they think of Will Barden as a two. They listed Corey Kispert as a two. 
the second half of the season when he was starting games. They have routinely talked about, you know, Denny's ability to exploit mismatches, which would happen most at the four, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Rui has primarily been a four. So you've got a lot of two, two and a halves and yeah, you know, three and three and three quarters. Um, so like where's the real three three? Um, so barring any sort of trade, which I don't think will actually happen at this point, this is probably the roster. Uh, I think two questions here. First, who do you expect to be the opening day smarting, starting small forward? And who should be the opening day starting small forward? So my expectation is... I actually think... See, this is, uh, you know, this is where I'm just going to be... I'm, I'm being dumb. I think they will do something sensible, but I shouldn't never think, think that. Something. Yeah. One in okay, their so, track record <laughs> makes you think that they should do the right thing at any point. In time. So what I fear they will do is they will put Will Barton at the three. Now, Will Barton has played the last few years as a starter, as the small forward. Will Barton is six foot six, 190 pounds. Last year's uh, small forward, who we did call small, yeah. who actually specialized in defense and was the pro, was a three and D quote unquote, which Will Barton is not. He is not a 3 and D no matter what they say. He is an on-ball scorer. Like, that's the type of player he, he is. He can 3 and he can D, but yeah. he is not. But he's not like a catch-and-shoot stand-in-the-corner like a KCP type. Um, and even if you've kind of read what some of the Nuggets, the you know, kind of a lot of, lot of Nuggets coverage, his defense did take a step back, which, look, is understandable because of your offensive burden, years. you're older. Yeah. Heavier yeah. off is a burden. He's in his 30s now. That's going to happen. So. I, my fear is he is going to start because then the problem there is you're, you're really just adding an on-ball score next to Beal, which I don't really know if it's the best fit. And that takes another guy taking the ball out of Kuzma's hands and Kuzma excelled when he was the number one option, not the number three or the number four option. But the bigger problem to me is you wanted to improve, de- improve defensively. The league is going big wing. Kyle Kuzma has said this himself. It is a positionless big wing league. He has said that. To some, I don't know if the exact quote, but he has said it numerous times. He was basically pleading with Juan Ansel Jr. through the media last year, play me, Danny, and Rui together. They, they played probably a total of 100, 150 minutes together. Uh, he has said it since during the playoffs. He was like, everyone's a big wing. The Wizards' answer to the big wing lead to watching Boston in the playoffs with Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, and going really without a traditional point guard is Monte Morris 6'2", Bradley Beal 6'3", and Will Barton 6'6", 190 pounds. What the hell kind of answer is that to what the league is doing? Now, maybe the Wizards are smarter than everyone. Maybe they are seeing the next trend before it happens. Or zigging when getting, they're zagging. Three yeah, they're zigging when they're zagging. They're like, look, we're going to go small because in five years, everyone's going to go small. Maybe that's what they're thinking. But, you know, if you want to believe that. So it just makes those to like, and, and the other thing is this, like kind of just big picture, macro level common sense. Caldwell Pope made sense because I think he was like, what was he like 27, 28 or 28 or so when he got here? Yeah. He had two years left on his contract. He was a 28 year old. His position ages pretty well as a three and D, but he wasn't even that, like he wasn't even in his thirties yet when he got here. And he had, uh, so you could say, okay, we don't have a three and D. He is our three and D and we'll, you know, we could move him around to the backcourt a little bit if we need to. Will Barton is 31. He's going to be 32 mid season next season. He is also a free agent at the end of the next season. We just paid Bradley Beal a quarter of a billion dollars. Kyle Kuzma probably wants his own. How many digits is that? Nine, nine figure contract next season. How are you going to pay Will Barton next season? 
So why would you prioritize Will Barton? Why would you make him an emphasis in the lineup? He is, even if everything turns out well, are you going to actually pay him 15 to 20 million a year next year to stay? Or even like, just say even like three for 30 at like age 30 going on his age 33 season. No, he is not like big picture part of the plan here long-term. So don't start him play like have it be competition, but if like have it be a comp and if Denny comes in with an improved three or if Kispert comes in with improved defense, let them let any tie go to the younger, longer player. See, I, I think the only part of that I would disagree with, I, I don't think he should be a long-term starter here. The only scenario where I think I could maybe defend it is look, somebody's got to earn it. He's earned it on playoff teams. He's yep. the de facto guy. If you want the spot, go take it from him. And there's none of this. I'm going to sit out for personal reasons. I, I, I'm very, um, you know, fond of Rui. I actually mm-hmm. like, I'll, I'll be upfront about that, but I, you can't have another year like he had next year. I yeah. want to be as sensitive as I can to the mental health aspects of things. But at a certain point, like they need him to be productive on the court for right. the whole year. So if they say like, look, man, like you, if you want the job, go take it and we see what he's about. And if you're not about it, we, we know to trade Rui at that point. Yeah. I'm okay with that. Like I, I can live with that. And, and Wes being an old school coach, like I can kind of see that I'm very much of the, I would rather a young player earn the minutes than we gave him the minutes because he's a young player. And, and that's, so that's fine to me, but that can't be the long-term plan. Yeah. Now, if the lineup looks Hey, we're actually going to go big at point. We're going to start uh, Delon Wright next to Beal, and we're going to have Barton at the three, and we're going to start, I don't know, Denny at the four next to Porzingis at the five, or we're going to go Porzingis next to Gafford, and we want the extra scoring from Barton. Okay, like all right, maybe that's a little different fit wise, but to your point, you're going to get crushed defensively next year yeah. with Morris, Beal, Barton, Kuzma. Porzingis. So if there's Kuzma no gets traded for somebody, there's absolutely zero switchability with that lineup. Yeah, you, you can't do it. And and honestly, maybe with Porzingis, you can't switch anyway. Like you just, yeah. you, he's a drop coverage big, most likely. Mm-hmm. So you just say, F it, we're going small. Fine. Okay. Whatever. But, but still, you're just going to get killed. Like it, it just, it is what it is. To me, I, I think if I were the one starting this team, I would start right for the first media timeout, just to have some size and defense out of the gate, set the tone a little. I'd put Rui out there for the shooting. I I think to me, there's a better, the path to Rui playing good defense is more realistic to me than the path to Denny playing good offense. And it's just so hard to be a productive player on a court for an NBA team if you provide nothing offensively. And with the starters, I think there's less opportunity for Denny to do the things that he might actually be able to provide offensively. So that's why I kind of like him off the bench personally. Mm -hmm. But we've seen Rui play good defense at some point. We've seen Rui shoot well. To your point, I think you tweeted this today. Can we see him put it all together for one season? That's more realistic to me than Denny comes out and is shooting 40% from three right away. Could be wrong. He could make the same jump that Rui made last year. And then if that's the case, then it's straightforward. It's easy. You just turn him loose. Um, but that's the way I would go. He's just the most shooting to even out the fact that like, you know, Wright's not going to do a ton of stuff other than hit like some spot up threes. Yeah. Look, I agree with you. I think it's competition. You got to let them all compete. Um, the, my, the only thing is we've seen this sometimes, especially, especially here, you have guys like Scott Brooks who just always lean bet. And 
I can't get a read on Weston Soul Jr. yet, but I have a feeling that he's coaching like he's in the last year of his contract, even though he's not. Like he just he you see like shorts. I don't know. I have a sense that he's he's gonna use his Denver Nuggets guys as crutches. Yeah. Um as long as he is willing to have an open competition. If Denny and Rui, Denny, Rui, Kispert, whoever it is, plays well in training camp, they absolutely should be given the opportunity to yeah. start. If they if, earn it, they should get it. Yes. If they earn it, they should get it. If they earn it, they should not sit behind Will Barton at all. Also, Barton would they, be better served as the second unit. Yeah. Just go out and cook people, guy. That's the next evolution of his career anyways at this age. He needs to really evolve into that role. Also, I would even include Kuzma. That, like, look, if, if, if Denny and Rui finally become what Tommy Shepard thought they become, give them the opportunity to play. Don't, like, bury them and then be like, oh, yeah. then – sell them off as like distressed assets and your next distressed assets trade, you know, yep. let like you develop, you spend time developing these guys actually like when it matters, don't replace them with, with like middle tier vets. And I think that's what happens here too often, which, which is just as annoying as how sometimes we overrate our young players. We also, the second a player comes in here who shows any pulse, like they'll get like any vet, like mid tier vet who could just put up 15 points, it's like we grovel at them. We're like, hey, you know, oh, my God, this is what NBA play looks like. We love you. You're, the, you're amazing. What happened when, when that happened? When Davis Bertan was, was a free agent, if you go back and look at the tweets, I would say at least 90% of the people wanted, like, you have to keep Bertans no matter the price. You can go back and look. Like, we actually talked about that earlier in this podcast. We said they should have traded him. If you look back at it, no one wanted to trade him. They're like, nope, if you're keeping Brad, you have to keep Bertans. And the next thing was like, well, if you pay Bertans that much, he has to start. Look how that worked out, you know? And we're, we're probably, I know you're higher, you're high on Kuzma. Look, I like Kuzma too. If he was on this deal, I would say keep him forever. If he's on like asking for 20 to 25 million per year, I want off that train, you know? Because I'd, I, I'd, I'd, tra- I'd trade my mom to Cleveland if it made yes. the team better. Like, I really don't care as much as I like Cleveland. Sorry, mom, by the way, and <laughs> not to send you back to Ohio, um, but that's where she's from. Anyway, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm with you. Like, you, you make whatever team, you make whatever deal makes the team better and makes the most sense for you long-term. You can't be attached to any of these people. Yep. But, I, you know, yeah. <laughs> I mean, just, will they do that? I don't know. And and I've made this analogy before when, when I was a young buck interning at 980 every year, somebody would call <laughs> in and say, what's the Redskins record going to be now, then Redskins now commanders. Um, what's their record going to be this season. And every year people talk themselves into 11 five, no matter how bad the roster looked. So I might be about to do that here, but looking at a bench unit of Delon, Wright, Let's assume he can get back to his, how he looked two seasons ago. He's still mm-hmm. in his late twenties. Um, you've got him at the one, you can put Barton at the two potentially next to some combo of Kispert, Rui, Denny, and Gafford at the five. That's a pretty good bench to me. Like it's a good I, bench. It might be the best bench we've had in like a decade. You mix Johnny Davis in there next That's to right, right yeah. next to Denny, next to Rui. Yep. You go with like a, maybe a, a lineup without a five or even just put Gafford in there. You have a very switchable. It's a good 10 guys. Second unit that could actually swing a game yeah. and move the game back. And, but then once the you know, obviously once the starters come back and it's going to just fall back off the rails, you know? So like there's, but yes, that that's, it may be more enjoyable watching the second unit this year than it is watching the starters, except for Porzingis. Porzingis when he's healthy is wildly entertaining. And like, just, I think it kind of just like a quick segue, why maybe cooled a little bit on Kuzma. 
when I saw Porzingis here, that showed me what actually a high level talent looks like versus just a guy grinding with like volume. And I, and that's not to slight Kuzma because he did what he had to do, but it just showed me the difference between like tier a more talented player. He, he should be right. an all-star when versus healthy. like a tier, tier one, tier two guy versus a tier two, tier three guy, you know? So there's no slight on Kuzma. I'd keep him if he was on this contract, like in perpetuity, but like, that's the difference that was highlighted to me in that instance. Yeah. I and mean, you and I talked about this a few weeks ago. If, yeah. it, if it's four for 70 or four for 80, like, Let's have the combo. Yeah. You know what I mean? You might not get better value at that yeah. point for a guy who, you know, at best is probably a good fourth starter on a yeah. good team. Um, the people that have turned him into like, oh, he's an eighth man, I think is a little mm-hmm. extreme. Uh, but honestly, I, I'd, I'd rather have Rui back at 7 million next year than yeah. have Kuzma back at 25. I right. Mean, He'll give you 80% of what Kuzma gave you for a third of the price. Like I think Kuzma is a wildly better player at the moment, just right. because we've seen it from him more. Um, but yeah, uh, maybe not wildly. I think that might have been a little extreme. But he he is definitively an the better player. It went, yeah, he is. He has the aggression that you wish Rui would have. Yeah, exactly. Right. If you could kind of combine them a little bit. Yeah. And I also think that in a better role with better pieces, we get a little bit more efficiency from Kuzma. Now he has developed that skill set a little bit. You can kind of pick and choose a little bit more. I think he could get better. Presumably. He could. What? What? Why? I'm not as optimistic about that is because his free throw shooting was so surprisingly bad last year, yeah. and like his, when he was wide open, he would go really cold on wide open corner threes, and it's just like kind of a stiff release. It is. And it's like seems like it's something that's easily fixable, but it just hasn't been fixed. And because of that, I, I worry a little bit about the efficiency. But um, he, he may never be a more efficient player at the very yeah. least. If, if you now don't need him and you can stagger him with Beal and Porzingis and yeah. he's your, he's your microwave scorer, you know, whatever, then it's a different story or do what he's always want. Let him play with the big wings, go with like a second yeah. unit. This, like, tell me this, if you play small ball like five, second. I would, I would have a, like a, a gigantic boner the entire game. If we just turned them loose and let them run on everything. Like I would say, and let me ask you this. I would legitimately enjoy a starting second quarter lineup of Wright, Davis, Danny, Rui, Kuzma. Yeah. And I think they would be the whole game that they would, they would bother the opponent. They would be switchable. They would use, it would, it would be in my opinion, bother the opponent and be an effective lineup. Like those things intrigue me, not this crap that we're getting, but whatever. Yeah. Throw a wrinkle at him. It's like, Oh, well we saw Cleveland was good for some portion of the year. So maybe we can play Porzingis, (laughs) Kuzma and Gafford together. Yeah. It's like, well, mm-hmm. uh, still not what most of the league does. Like, if you look at like, just just pick a team that was in the final four of the playoffs. Just just pick any of them. When you look uh, at they're big. Let, let's say let's say Dallas. Miami. Right? Oh, okay. okay. Let's, let's go Miami. Bam. Yeah. Who on our roster is most complimentary to Bam in terms of size and skill set? It's actually Kuzma. I, yeah. I mean, he's not the same rim protector, but he's a six nine ish mobile agile guy who can yep. chase someone around on the perimeter. He can hit some shots. He can move the ball. He can create a little bit for others. Kleber is the same way. Um, now maybe Robert Williams is a little bit different, but yeah. uh, you know, like that that's what other teams would do is actually use him as the big in a closing lineup, not put him next to other like monoliths. And, Let him like, do what Draymond does and be like a 0.5 for a few, for a few minutes a game too. Yeah. He, would, he would probably excel in that role. Put him next to actual shooters and stuff and let him create. Right. Instead of being like, now I'll go score 25 inefficiently. 
Um, I, I think that's what Kuzma does that people sleep on is, is the creation is actually better than it gets credit for. Yeah. I don't, don't want to hear about assist numbers. I think there's, there's a difference in, he can create a mismatch for somebody and yeah. um, put the defense on its heels. No, I totally agree. There are ways to use them that are, that would definitely enhance, but it, you know, it's probably not on the note cards. The note cards say he's a power <laughs> forward and the two power forwards will split the minutes evenly. You know, <laughs> I was listening to this the other day and it was, um, Chris Finch. Is that his name? The the Minnesota coach talking about yeah. being an assistant coach and how it was such a mindset shift for him having to go from being the assistant where his job was regimented structure. And here was the game plan. And here's what we had like mapped out in advance to knowing when to like, you know, trust his gut and um, deviate from the plan and just sort of throw a wild wrinkle at people and like really throw the kitchen sink at someone. Yeah. And he was like, Hey, that was hard for me. Now I fully believe that Wes Unseld will do a better job of that this year. It's just how much better of a job because last year it was an assistant coach in a head coach's chair, stick to the note yeah. cards. You know, these guys were supposed to play in this order. These people were slotted for this many minutes. So he's hot, but we got to take him out because the note cards, um, you know, and, and that's fine. And the other thing here was about temperament too. And Finch talked a lot about uh, having to like get out of the, I'm like an, a sympathetic ear. And now I'm like, hey, my way or the highway. Mm-hmm. I, I, I think Wes tried to do the like, hey, my door's always open. Guys can come talk to me if they have a problem thing. But th- that doesn't work. Like you've got to demand like, hey, I don't want to hear you telling the media this shit anymore. Like we're done yeah. with that. And I think, you know, him being like this career assistant there's less of an alpha mentality. And I think that's why you see teams that are successful at times. They are going to some of these former players, at least they're going to command a certain amount of respect from their team and and they're not going to get walked all over. And hopefully that's not what's really happening in our locker room. But last year's bullshit seems to kind of indicate that that's the case. So no, it does. It's, it's just utterly. Yeah. And it's, I remember even they played, well, I can't remember the matchup where they finally used Gafford and Porzingis together. Was it Minnesota, maybe? Yeah. They, they I can't played. remember. They, he finally found a match. He's like, yeah, we've been tinkering with that. It was like five games left in the season. And he's like, I finally went with it. It's like, you had nothing to play for since the All-Star break. Why would it possibly take this no, long? But we still played Neto 25 yeah. minutes a game. Still played Neto 25 minutes a game, but you finally felt like, okay, I could go. So, like, actually, I looked up one thing while you were just saying that. And it's, they were talking about, oh, let's go to the three big... And even Wes said, Wes Unsell Jr. said this. He's like, yeah, there's something we could look at about the three big wings together um, for the right situation. In a lost season, Kuzmo, Hachimura, and Avdia played 118 minutes on the court. I would have guessed 100, so it's actually better. That's it. Like, you had nothing to play for, but it was like, I'm going to save. It's like you're waiting for someone, like you're waiting just for that right moment. And you do it like way too late, or you don't do it at all, and you think you really did something. It's like, what are you doing there? I, I get the we'll never tank thing. I'm not even advocating for that, but use the last 15 games constructively to say, hey, if we win, great. If we, because right. we means we've done something good here. If we mm-hmm. lose, oh, not that bad either, because we learned something here. But like that, that's, that should have been the experimentation phase. There should have been a Sadoransky, Kispert, uh, Hachimura, Avdia, Kuzma group yeah. at some point or, or whoever it was, or Porzingis and Gafford and Denny and Rui and a point guard or something like that was your chance to like 
experiment with some crazy shit and maybe mm-hmm. you find something there. Because a lot of these teams, I promise you, they don't come in knowing, hey, you know what? This group is going to click. Yeah. They have to like figure that out. You know, you, you learn by doing, right? Um, yeah. So we doesn't seem like we learn anything because we never really do anything. Right. Which is why kind of circling all the way back, that's why I <laughs> just have the words for this would be Morris Beal Barden and very vanilla, very just cookie cutter. That's what they're going to do because that's what the book says to do. That's what the no cards say to do. And he'll do it. They may have some early season success, but we know it's going to end. It's going to end with roster turnover, turnover at the deadline again. Mm-hmm. Um, circling back all the way to where we began, I do have one question we didn't touch on, on the Beal discussion. For a team to give Beal everything they have, why hasn't Tommy Shepard been willing to make a real big swing aside from the Beal contract? Like if this is your plan and you're basically letting Beal hold you hostage, why aren't you willing to give up three first round picks for DeJounte? Why aren't you doing some some version of the Tim Connolly trading for Rudy Gobert? Because at this point, really, why not? You know? Yeah, because once Beal asks out, your rebuild is gonna. We've locked, already set back. Yeah, you've right. locked, we've locked in. locked into a bunch of shit. Might you're as well paying do a guy something. a quarter billion dollars. Right. What's a couple first round picks? Because right now you may be blocking your first round picks with lesser bets instead of consolidating for an actual good bet. <laughs> you can no longer trade Beal for as big a return as you can. So you can't mm-hmm. bank on trading him to jumpstart an eventual rebuild. So if you're already not going to be very good, but not bad enough to really capitalize on it. To your point, you might as well do that. Now you could still protect a lot of those picks too and, and make it a hey, top five or whatever. You've really bottom out. Great. But what, what Minnesota gave up for Gobert is absolutely insane. Uh, oh yeah. But, but the idea of a little bit of an overpay to make an all in move for a big name that actually does complement Beal. Um, you might as well do it. I mean, if we're if we're not going to have like a, a contending ceiling, we might as well be the best goddamn four seed we can be. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I mean, why not? You have your two like kind of foundation pieces in Cat and Anthony Edwards. So yes, I get that it was it is an overpay, and five first round picks is is crazy. Yeah, but you know what? At least when they're crazy and not having like they don't have their first round picks, and they're still going to be like you said, the fourth fifth seed. And they're going to be playing into the second round of the playoffs. And if Anthony Edwards takes it to where his ceiling could potentially be, they may supplant Memphis as like the new rising team in the West and could make a conference finals. And that's more than, that's more than we've done in like four decades. So mm-hmm. I'm not going to pity them. I'm not going to be like, Oh, well, look at the, look, Tim Conley's a dumbass, you know, like, cause we're the ones who have basically invested, like just put in a quarter billion and, and a no trade clause and a trade kicker just to be a 35 win team. You that's know what? what kills Take me my about first the, round picks. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. But that's what kills me about the like, well, we're not building a contender. So what are we even doing here, crowd? We have not built a contender since 1979. Yeah. Uh, so uh, what in our track record makes you think we can or ever will do that again? So yeah. I, I'm okay with just building the best possible team we can build, given the circumstances we have found ourselves in. Well, the circumstances we put ourselves in. I don't know what that is. You know, I, you and I are on a little different opinion on this. Like, I don't think DeAndre Aiden is the move to do that. Mm-hmm. I would do it for somebody. I'd overpay for OG. I'd go out yeah. and get another big. I'd go out, you know, what, whatever the move is. I, I just, the center thing is just a personal preference position. Yeah, yeah. no, I get it. 
and even but, my but do Aiden something. position, yeah, do my something. Aiden position is not because I love Aiden. It's because he's young and he's Talent. he's talented, and I think he he fills that number two role when Porzingis is out, and I think he is kind of falling into that. Tommy Shepard, oh, here's the distress asset. I might be able to get right. him for cheap. So if I could trade, if I don't have to trade three first round picks, if I could trade Kuzma and a first round pick for DeAndre, if the price Aiden, is right, you do it. Yeah, and then you could always flip Aiden down the road later. But yeah, do something. Don't go in with this like 11 man rotation that, hey, we'll sort it out. We'll call it depth and, you know, we'll still complain midway through the season. And then we'll just trade off whoever we don't like at the at the deadline in, a, in some type. And then finally say, oh, we consolidated. We finally have defined rules. We know how the season's going. There are going to be a few reasons for the uh, reasons for blame. They're going to blame lack of, def- de- of role definition. Mm-hmm. They're going to blame COVID. players who are in contract years and different agendas and lack of defense. They're, they're going to say. They're going to say they don't have dogs on defense when all their dogs on defense are on the bench. Solar flares. Yeah. Solar flares also. The economic crisis. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, players are stressed over gas prices. Can't depend anymore. That is clearly, you know, one of the reasons that they're going to have, but like, yeah, they're going to have all their dogs on the bench. They're going to be like, why aren't we defending? We'll be like, well, because they're playing the non-defenders and we know, I mean, you just know this is what's going to happen this season. I mean, we saw how Neto go in and out of the rotation. He kept playing his way out of the rotation then we just somehow show back up in the rotation. So it's like, we just saw a shit show. We're getting ready for another shit show. But enjoy if, Summer League. If it were me, I would say, and, and maybe it's not this person specifically, but it's I'm looking around the league at who might have some tenuous situations and fits together. And I'm saying, uh, hey, Pelicans, Zion and Ingram don't like each other. There's redundancy there. Okay, great. So what, what would it take for us to get Ingram? He's a no-nonsense, going to keep his mouth shut. He he used to be a good defender in L.A., uh, so we know he can do it. Maybe here, if he doesn't have to score 30 a game, he mm-hmm. could do that. Uh, it, it's that kind of guy. Like, who's yeah. young enough to still have some upside at a position of need, and maybe you can sell them on Kuzma. They need shooting. Here's Kispert. Here's a first-round pick, and I don't know, whatever else that takes. That's yeah. the move I do. Yeah. And I don't know. Yeah, they should. They should consolidate, do a move like that. But what's going to happen? I mean, look, like you said, we know what's going to happen. And then somehow the blame is going to blame is going to go to a couple of people. It's going to go to Beal from people who just aren't Beal fans. And that's given how much of the cap he's taking. And he is a leader. You make so the most he, money. You should get you, the most blame. Too. Exactly. Wall took so much more heat, even though he accomplished much more in his time here, in my opinion. Even though I had some issues with kind of some of his. Sure. There's like some bullshit some of his there, too. Yeah. That, yeah. But he elevated a team much more than Beal has in his career, in my opinion. Um, but you know what will happen is, like, uh, on top of that, once the team is bad and Beal's getting criticized, the fingers will point, hey, it's Denny's fault. Hey, it's Rui's fault. <laughs> it's like, they're going to find, like, easy punching bags to, make, like, put it on them when it's really, like, it's... It's truly so Ted's many, fault at the end of the day. Truly but... Ted's fault. And then from there, you can go, like, if you're doing, like, a pie chart of blame, you go Ted, you go Tommy, you go... Brad West, Beal West, and then very like minuscule, like little small. It's everyone else, yeah. everyone else. But that's where the, all the blame lies. So when when you're upset about how the season's going, and that and that you know our our young players are not playing because Will Barton is playing 30 minutes a game in a contract year, don't blame Denny. Blame everyone. Blame the 95 percent of the pie charts. That, that's the blame. You know. Let me pitch one big swing to you here. The sure. Wizards go out and they get a really big name <clears throat> to add in as their third center. 
That's their big move. Who of these names would you be most excited about? LaMarcus Aldridge, Aaron Baines, DeMarcus Cousins, Ed Davis, Anise Cantor Freedom, Frank Kaminsky, Myers Leonard. I'm assuming the statute of limitations of him saying racist shit is over at this point. Tristan Thompson and whichever Kardashian he brings with him at this point in his life. Um, do, do any of those strike you as really exciting big swings we could make? Because I know we will want a third center. We love a third, a three center rotation here. There's not a single player you mentioned there that I think I'd want on the roster. Uh, God, if I had to choose one, look, I always have a soft spot for Boogie Cousins. I'd probably take him. But like even for him, go to a contender. He actually played pretty well in Denver, if I recall correctly, right? Yeah, yeah. for like a small subset of that time. Yeah. yeah, let him go there. I mean, I would really. There are a couple of positions where I I do hope, and actually, this is something that I'm going to keep asking you about or bugging you about while you're in Vegas. I I want to see how some of the young bigs play. I want to see also at the point guard position, um, if anyone stands out. In particular, I don't know if I'm saying his name right, Pierre Henri. Yeah, I have no idea. I was I need to do some like Euro League game watching to figure out exactly how to say that. Yeah. I so there I want to see how those players and I would rather I would rather try that than try yeah, the vet very old vet third center. It's, it's you know, I had a soft spot for Robin Lopez if he yeah. came back with his hook shot, I would have been like, "Okay, that's fine because he is a he is a big body, you know, and like yeah. they should have just kept him." <laughs> Who fits? Yeah, I was trying to think who fits that model most of the gigantic man who's old and slow and yeah. just boxes out. But uh, to your to your point about summer league, I will have something prior to summer league about the roster and all that stuff. So so stay tuned for that, folks. But just the short version is they have Vernon Carey on the summer league roster, and they chose not to play him at all down the stretch last year. That's another guy yeah. that we could have seen if there's any opportunity for him to provide viable minutes for this group but he didn't yep. play at all yep. the other red flag is when they said it's summer league they said it's about isaiah todd they didn't even mention right. carry right that good. said it's a great opportunity for him it's a great opportunity for todd the all eyes will be on johnny davis i think it's less important for him because he is literally was literally drafted a week ago so, yeah, be fine. <laughs> so he'll be fine even if he doesn't shoot well he'll be fine because he's like yeah he's he's gonna do his thing um the, the two centers on the roster in Kerry and Jaime Eshenike would literally be valuable third centers on the team if this was 1998. Yeah. They're slow plotting post scores, and yeah. there's no market for that now. So naturally, those are the only people we'll bring to summer league with us. Yeah. They, uh, yeah. For those who don't, didn't know the name I mentioned earlier, I, I think it's pronounced Pierre Henri. Either way, if you even if, if I'm saying it wrong, look up point guards on the summer league roster. His last name is Henry. If you're not, if you don't know what uh, like how I'm spending saying Henry, he is a taller point guard um, played in Euro League, uh, known as a defensive player, but also just a big point guard. Mm-hmm. But if you look at the highlights, he looks pretty skilled. I know Josh Robbins wrote something about him being someone to watch as a name. Why I'm a little more intrigued. Chris Dunn went to training camp. Henry went to training camp or their mini camp. One of them went out. One of them did not get invited to summer league. So my guess is Henri outplayed Dunn in minicamp for that summer league spot. Now I think probably the tell on if they actually like him is if he plays when they get to summer league. So we'll see when he gets when they get there. He'll never get a minute, um, just because it, I don't know. We we need another nut punch to finish this whole <laughs> trifecta out. Fun fact: uh, 
he did play with Jan Vesely last season. So that's oh, exciting. So that's okay. good. Yeah. There you go. On the uh, Fenerbahce team that won the Turkish Super League. And now so. Jan and T- Tomas are reunited. That's right. It's a full circle, baby. Wizards circle. conspiracy. Put our tinfoil Although, hats on. And it, by, by all accounts, it looks like the Wizards did want to keep him. <laughs> of course. Makes sense. We got to put our tinfoil hats on for our next round of conspiracies. We'll also have to put cups on to avoid all mm-hmm. the nut punches we talked about today. Uh, Oz, thank you for doing this on what is a dark night as a Wizards fan. I appreciate you making the time as always. Absolutely. All right, everybody. Rate, review, subscribe, all the good stuff. And as always, we were presented by betonline.ag. listening to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform check us out at believe.com and search for b-l-e-a-v on youtube you know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks that's what our podcast people are the worst brings you with each episode i'm rachel And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.